Activists in Outagamie County stopped a board meeting this week, protesting comments a board member made about transgender people. It's Thursday, May 25th. This is Wisconsin Today. Good morning, I'm Alex Crow. Coming up, Sean Johnson reports on a lawsuit against Wisconsin Republicans who posed as electors in 2020. And Rich Kramer has a feature story about how law enforcement prepares for active shooter situations on college campuses. Stay with us. Thank you to the donors who make Wisconsin Public Radio possible. There are more than 50,000 of you. Your generosity delivers essential news, thought-provoking conversations, and inspiring music to listeners all over Wisconsin and beyond. Your support makes a difference in people's lives every day. Thank you. Protests over comments an Outagamie County board member made about transgender people spilled into a board meeting Tuesday night. As Joe Schultz reports, it stopped proceedings for roughly an hour. Activists were outraged after they were not allowed to speak at a meeting where they hoped to call on Supervisor Tim Hermes to resign. County rules prohibit the public from speaking on issues not on the agenda. Protests began after the Appleton Post-Crescent reported earlier this month, Hermes said people are pretending to be transgender to use bathrooms with young girls. LGBTQ rights groups say there's no evidence that trans people using a bathroom that aligns with their gender identity harms public safety. Johnny Urban is trans and attended the protest. He should resign because he is letting misinformation dictate his opinions and his beliefs. Hermes did not respond to requests for comment. Joe Schultz, Wisconsin Public Radio. Wisconsin is joining 47 other states in suing a telecom provider over mass robocalls. Sarah Lear has more. State attorneys general filed the federal complaint this week against a voice over internet protocol provider called Avid Telecom. They say Avid knew or should have known it was routing high volumes of illegal calls. That includes calls from telemarketers posing as government agencies. Officials provided audio from some of those calls, which are transcribed in the lawsuit. Hello, this is Audrey, and I'm a Social Security Disability Advisor on a recorded line. Hi, I'm with Medicare Rewards regarding Medicare insurance. The suit also alleges Avid helped send calls that use spoofed caller ID, and it says the company transmitted billions of calls to people on the Do Not Call registry. A company statement says Avid complies with state and federal laws. Sarah Lear, Wisconsin Public Radio. A lawsuit against Wisconsin Republicans who posed as electors could go to a jury trial shortly before the next presidential election. As Sean Johnson reports, the case filed by Democrats seeks close to $2.5 million in punitive damages. The lawsuit against the Republicans who posed as electors has been pending in Dane County Circuit Court since last year, and it won't go to jury trial before next year at the earliest. Attorney Jeff Mandel, who represents the Democratic plaintiffs, said at a scheduling hearing Wednesday that one of the lawsuit's aims is to prevent the same Republicans from serving as electors in the future. And the state's next slates of electors get picked in October 2024. So we would like the trial to be over and, and that relief to have been decided, whether we get it or not. Uh, before that deadline, if possible. Dean County Judge Frank Remington set September 3rd of next year for the start of a jury trial. Should the trial happen, it's tentatively scheduled to last about a month. Sean Johnson, Wisconsin Public Radio. 
The number of deer that tested positive for chronic wasting disease grew by roughly 12% last year from 2021. Danielle Kading reports the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources updated its policy board on the deadly deer disease yesterday. CWD attacks the brains of deer and it causes drastic weight loss and death over time. Last year, almost 1,500 deer tested positive for the disease out of roughly 17,000 sampled. That's up from roughly 1,300 deer from similar levels of sampling in 2021. The vast majority of positive cases came from southwestern Wisconsin. Jasmine Batten is the DNR's Wildlife Health Section Supervisor. In southwest Wisconsin, we've seen significant uh, growth in prevalence and distribution of the disease since it was first detected. First found in 2002, the DNR says at least 60 counties are now affected by CWD. Daniel Kading, Wisconsin Public Radio. One of President Joe Biden's top cabinet officials came to Wisconsin yesterday to promote the bipartisan infrastructure law. A $10 million grant to the Port of Green Bay, first announced in October, was at the heart of the discussion. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says the grant will help transform a decommissioned power plant at the mouth of the bay into a new port facility. The project's estimated economic impact is more than $87 million in the first five years. Brown County Executive Troy Streckenbach accompanied Buttigieg at the event. In a project of this size and magnitude, is not just right here in Green Bay, Brown County. It, it actually reaches as far north as Upper Michigan, as far west over near Wausau. It is truly the economic engine for our overall community. During his stop in Wisconsin, Buttigieg also spoke with truck drivers about supply chains and toured the Green Bay Airport. Coming up, Rich Kramer has a story about university police officers training for active shooter situations. Stay with us. Gardening in Wisconsin is a year-round job, and Garden Talk is here for you throughout every season. We help you battle relentless pests and pick your favorite mulch. We also cover how to care for houseplants and successful methods for starting seeds inside. We want to know what keeps your garden growing. Join me, Larry Mueller, for Garden Talk on the Ideas Network, Fridays at 11 and Saturday mornings at 6 or online anytime. And finally, in February, a gunman opened fire on the campus of Michigan State University. It was the latest case of a mass shooting on a college campus. As political debates about how to stop mass shootings have stalled, Rich Kramer reports it's up to law enforcement agencies like UW-Madison's police department to teach officers how to stop them once the shooting starts. You can feel the blast from the 9mm blank as it reverberates down the concrete hallways of UW-Madison's vacant Biotron laboratory. A light cloud of dust falls from ceiling tiles as the sound of hurried footsteps gets louder. Where did they come from? A UWPD officer is wearing a plastic face mask and carrying a training pistol that fires high-powered paintballs. He rushes toward the shots, passing colleagues covered in fake blood lying on the ground. Inside a room, another officer, posing as a mass shooter, is waiting. 
In the melee, a number of UWPD officers and the faux shooter are hit by paint rounds that leave weeping red welts. The April training scenarios are loosely based on past mass shootings at businesses, schools, and universities. There's no single definition of a mass shooting, but by one measure there have been more than 200 of them this year. The frequency of shootings means simulations like these have become a routine part of law enforcement training. UWPD Lieutenant Jeff Ellis says the department studies mass shootings that happened in Wisconsin and beyond. It's a grim reality, but he says officers have to be ready if it happens at UW-Madison. I mean, we need to be our best that day. and I, So I think when we, we do look at it, yeah, it'd be great if this wasn't as prevalent as it is. You know, I think that that's why we study as hard as we do. That's why we train the way we do. An awareness that shootings can happen on campus affects student life, too. At UW-Madison's Memorial Union Terrace on the shore of Lake Mendota, Ph.D. candidate Vrishank Jambur sits on the grass with friends. The students here are unaware of the training on the other side of campus. Mass shootings didn't happen during his childhood in India, and Jambur says he never thought about them. Once you come here and once you start hearing about it, that's when you start you know, feeling a little scared. Freshman Mary Bear of Minneapolis and Simona Ladasina of Chicago had a very different childhood. They trained on how to respond to mass shootings in school. Bear says they were called code red drills in Minnesota. I've always sort of been told that it's not an if, it's more just of a when it's going to be something that I have to deal with. And so every time that I'm sort of in a large space, I'm always kind of told to find the nearest exit and sort of just have a mental preparation of how I was going to deal with something like this. Ladasina's high school had metal detectors at the doors. On normal days, she says one out of 20 students would be asked to walk through. If there was a threat, she says they'd all be screened and the line would round the block. So that was definitely a really scary situation. Francie Crapo-Hobson is a professor of school psychology at the University of Colorado, Denver. She says the stress from repetitive stories about school shootings can take a mental toll on young people, but research shows that well-designed drills with prior education can boost perceptions of safety. It should never be a surprise because otherwise people believe there's a real-life threat, and that is terrifying. Former Madison Middle School teacher Abigail Sweats says pre-planned drills she and her students were part of were still terrifying. It was always in the back of my mind that if this were real, I would put my body on the line for my students. Sweats, who now works in the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction, says she favors more restrictions on gun ownership. But in the absence of new laws, she says it's often up to schools and students to prevent deaths. Back at the UWPD simulation, officers are focused on how to respond effectively. Lieutenant and instructor Adam Boardman says it's up to them to stop the shooting. I'm not going to stand outside and wait for people to get shot. I'm the one with the gear and the training and the firearms. It's my job, even if I, in the back of my head, don't want to do that right. You don't want to go in there, but that's what you have to do. It's one way that law enforcement training for mass shootings has changed over time. The mantra during their training is, stop the killing, then stop the dying. Rich Kramer, Wisconsin Public Radio. And that'll do it. Thanks for joining us for Wisconsin Today. I'm your host, Alex Crow. Our producers are John Davis and Bridget Bowden. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts every weekday morning. Of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.